swings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career. He's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it. in an overtime, he is the best. He is the standard. Where Michael Jordan wins it again. Hey, Nicole Hartman, you scored at the Super Bowl winning touchdown, man. What does that feel like? Man, it feels great. I'm telling you, I blacked out when I caught the ball, though. So, um, but it feels awesome. Well, listen, take that and go celebrate with the rest of your teammates. There it is. The trophy's in the hands of the Chiefs. Ben Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Inevitable. As all I tweeted out. As everyone knows, because they all follow me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's what it felt like for Patrick Mahomes as he collects his third Super Bowl in four trips to the NFL's final game. Here are the guys in my sports watching life that have felt inevitable. And Ooh. I only caught the tail end of Michael Jordan, so sure. I didn't I, I I don't throw him in the list for okay. me. And for people a little bit older than me, certainly he felt inevitable. I said no denying his inevitability. And, and Tony Romo rightly invoking his name in relation to Patrick Mahomes. Tiger Woods, inevitable. Pretty good. Pretty good. Inevitable, one. right? Like Can't if there was confirm. a chance for Tiger Woods on a Sunday, it was inevitable that ball's going in the hole. Yeah. As Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys. Like the tippy top of the yeah. inevitability uh, rate or whatever, the scale. And, and to me, Patrick Mahomes is right there. He is inevitable. Given an opportunity... Patrick Mahomes is going to bust through that thing like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah, they're the they're the only three guys, if you want to throw Mahomes in there, without rival, right? Like, I, I'm sitting here and, like, is LeBron James the most dominant or greatest athlete I've ever seen? I, I could make that case, but he had a Warriors team that he went head up against and he shared titles with. Like, mm. Steph Curry at various times felt inevitable. That Warriors team certainly felt that way at times. But he had another juggernaut that he had to go against. And that that is not to take away anything from the teams Mahomes has beat. Mm-hmm. But you look at it and it's like, how many conversations did we have to bring it to Tiger for golf tournaments of Tiger versus the field? Not would you take these few, other, no, all the other players or Tiger Woods. And you get better odds on Tiger at times. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes, until somebody that is still existing in the sport wants to prove otherwise, He's going to feel that way right now. I'd love to throw somebody else in the mix, but I can't. Like, guys have had mm-hmm. fleeting moments of greatness. Like, especially you want to throw golf in there. Like, Kepka has had a little lightning mm-hmm. bolt moment where he felt that yeah, way. in majors, for yeah, sure. but it's a lightning bolt moment. And to your point, it's in majors. Now, I suppose we don't really care about a week eight game, so mm-hmm. why should we care about a, you know, random tournament in the middle of in the middle of a golf season? But it was a year. It was two Mahomes been doing it for four now, you know, three Super Bowls. I know, but it's felt this way kind of since he got his, since he got the car keys. That's what makes this so different from some of the other, because we've seen it for fleeting moments with other people. And I think the problem for me is that, well, it's not a problem because I was on this, uh, on this corner middle of the season when things looked their darkest for the Kansas city chiefs. But that's now the universal take is that it doesn't matter what happens during the regular season. It doesn't matter how bad the chiefs, look even in postseason games it doesn't look it doesn't matter how daunting the path looks for this Chiefs team yeah. going forward it's now over now everybody's going to be on my side of the the street you're going to be laughed out of the room 
if you doubt this Chiefs team and Patrick Mahomes as its quarterback at any point of any season going forward, until we see them falter at some point before an AFC championship game, that's, I mean, they get the benefit of the doubt of forever course. and ever and ever until we see it not happen for them. So, yeah, again, I, I, I really think the only person standing in and look like, you know, maybe CJ Stroud, they got some battle scars from this year and he comes back as a better version of himself, I'm not ruling any of this out. But the only guy who feels like he can stand in the way right now is Joe Burrow because he's the only guy who's done it. Like, yes, Tom Brady did it twice. Tom Brady ain't walking through those doors. He'll be calling the games, talking about how great Patrick Mahomes is. Burrow is the only guy who feels like he can do this. Because if Josh Allen beats the Chiefs, okay, good like good job. No one's going to take that away from you. It's an impressive win. You did it once. Like That's the thing that is, is so special about Mahomes is how many times he has knocked off all his rivals already. I, I don't shy away in conversations um, uh, about... You know, uh, dynastic instances of of great players winning football games. I don't shy away from the conversation about the other side of it, choking it away. I think Lamar Jackson and that Ravens team coughed up an opportunity to knock off this team in the AFC Championship game. And I think legitimately there are questions about Lamar Jackson's ability to succeed in the postseason. I got to say, despite the fact that Kyle Shanahan's now appeared in the two overtime games in Super Bowl history, one as an OC, but like, man, look at the play calling in the second half of that game and how much more yep. they could have bled the clock up 28-3. Uh, this game, a little bit different, and despite the fact that, you know, Brock Purdy wasn't otherworldly, I, I and there was a couple of notable turnovers in this game, a fumble, well, a couple of fumbles, but one on a muff punt. Like, I, I, I do feel like Patrick Mahomes took it from the Niners other, rather than them coughing it up. Let's talk to Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS after the Super Bowl. And once again, Patrick Mahomes hoisting the Lombardi, uh, just like we all expected midway through the season when uh, they couldn't uh, they couldn't score points. Right, Charles? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of those ones where Patrick Mahomes snatched it late because his Kansas City defense gave him the opportunity time and time and time again. I think there were three straight possessions in the Late first half, early second half, the San Francisco had ball, had a chance to go up two scores, didn't, you know? And, yes, the other plays came into pl- came into prominence, of course, because that's how football works. But there was one time we were watching Kyle Shanahan. I was doing the world broadcast with uh, Ian Eagle, and they had to punt the ball away, and he was visibly upset. And I said to Ian, yeah, he's upset they didn't score, but he's upset about what it means when you don't score because you keep flicking your eyes over to the other sideline. And, you, you know, at some point you have to deal with 15 unless you really make him chase. I mean, I don't think it's any accident that most of the losses Kansas City has nowadays are somewhat blowout losses. You've got to do that to them. You've got to boat race them because if you don't, it's close. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to deal with this kid down the stretch. I read a stat before the Super Bowl. Andy Reid, as a head coach, was 4-11. and in one-score playoff games prior to Mahomes being his quarterback. And that, you know, was one of those things when you look back to Philadelphia, all the NFC Championship games only got to the Super Bowl once, which sounds bad. You know, you're like, oh, but he got there. Give him a break. I get it. But then he gets to Mahomes, and now I think it's now eight of their last nine playoff games that have been one-score games. They've won them. 
Okay. This kid is 15 and three as a starting quarterback in, in, in playoff games. You know, who's beaten him <laughs> Brady twice. Okay. And I'm trying to think who else Burrow. beat him. Um, Burrow. yeah, that's it. Brady twice in Burrow and the Burrow one, they had the big lead and they blew it. Burrow helped reel them in. But Patrick Mahomes maybe played the worst half of football in his life in the second half of that playoff game in terms of, you know, just looking tight, bad throws. They got a little bit conservative, which is surprising with Kansas City. Didn't keep the feet up, foot on the gas, and so on and so forth. But 15 and three in playoff and championship games. Come on, folks. <laughs> and you lose to Brady twice in Burrow. You don't want him to have it. And let's be honest. What was it? 157 when they kicked the field goal in overtime. Yeah. Or late in the game, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just like, okay, that's a recipe for disaster. Fortunate that they got out of it with a tie and went into overtime. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was fortunate, honestly, that they were able to to get to OT there. You know, when you when we look at Mahomes, obviously, there's so many kind of legacy questions coming out of today. How much, or coming out of yesterday into today, how much yeah. does it change the legacy for him that he was able to do it with this version of a Chiefs team that was him and defense? You know, like Kelsey found it late in the game, but he had his struggles throughout the season. We had all the conversations all yep. year long about the drops. Like, this is, in my opinion, like, I don't want to say anybody can win with a great team, but a, but there's a certain class of quarterback that can win with a great team. But this one felt yeah. different, being able to kind of paper over all the things that they didn't have. Yeah, I agree, and it, and it helps Andy Reid's legacy, too, because he's an offensive mm. coach calling plays and he adjusted to what he had, you know, after a while it was like, okay, guys, we can't play hero ball anymore. Mahomes' interception last night was his first in seven playoff games, mm-hmm. 218 consecutive passes. That's not the Mahomes we think about very often. That pass was just a bad pass. Kelsey was open. He's trying to hit him and he sailed it like a, you know, a rolling ball for a, for, for a pitcher who takes too much time and then throws it over the head of his first baseman. It's just a bad throw. But 218 straight in playoff competition, that's pretty solid now. He's not saying, okay, the old school Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to throw up 30 yards down because someone's going to make a play. No, our defense is good. Our running back is good. I'm not going to mess it up. So I give him a ton of credit that way. So, yeah, the legacy of Kansas City, Mahomes, Andy Reid, and by the way, now everybody, how many times have you heard this now? Steve Spagnuolo's won four yeah. um, Super Bowl rings as a, as a coordinator. How come no one talked to Spags during the hiring cycle? Right. See, now, now we're back to that. No one was mentioning that before. <laughs> like, in no world did you hear anyone say, I can't believe they missed Spags. Well, now they're starting to miss Spags in the hiring cycle, which is good for him because he wants to be a head coach again. But that's what it takes to do it. And the last two years, they've transformed themselves as a team, and it's worked out with two Super Bowl wins. Both of them somewhat unlikely, this one even more so. But I would dare say this one is sweeter because of how they did it. They had to really grind it out to get it done. No, this was not as obvious as uh, the previous Super Bowls. Uh, I I didn't see them going. I think I told you guys that. I think, you know, uh, somewhere around Buffalo loss and Christmas Day to to the Raiders – so they just don't look like that team this year. They're going to make the playoffs, but they would be the ones that would be a candidate to be out earlier than expected. I did not expect them to be here, and I don't want to play revisionist history and go, oh, of course, I do the Chiefs. No, I did not expect them to be there. 
So yeah, uh, I don't have to do that because I was on Patrick Mahomes has to show me that he can lose before an AFC championship game before I count them out. So yeah, I get to be right. I, I get to, I, I, I get to be one of the guys taking a victory lap today. But isn't everybody yes, gonna be on, isn't everybody gonna be of that opinion going forward, Charles? Isn't that the big lesson this season? It's like, well, I guess yeah, we can just never it. Yeah, we can never uh, doubt this team going forward. Yeah, and he said it from the podium last night. The Chiefs are never underdogs. That's always what winners get to do. But when Kadarius Tony lines up offsides, Buffalo comes in and gets him and, and, and earned that win. He was definitely offsides, among other things, but Buffalo outplayed him that day. The Raiders, Raiders clean their clock. I don't care what the scoreboard said on Christmas Day. You know, they had enough loss along the way. How about another stat since I'm doing Vince Scully this morning? <laughs> During the season, they were, one, they were one and four against playoff teams. One and four. Then they beat Miami. Buffalo, Baltimore, all three of those teams in the top six in scoring in the NFL. Defense, defense, defense. Yeah. And by the way, against Buffalo, I mean that Buffalo against Baltimore with the MVP, Baltimore scored three points last 45 minutes of the game. Yeah. Okay. Deep. So, yes, Mahomes, Mahomes is the deal, and I'm all in, believe me. But he understood and recognized that, guess what? He got help this year. Get help big time. And you talk about the receivers and what he had to do to make that viable. In no other world does he throw the ball to McCall Hardman for the winning touchdown unless McCall Hardman is wide open because he has zero trust in it. But guess what? This is what I'm dealing with. I, this is who I have to trust. This is what I have to do, want to do to win. He makes it work. Marquez Valdez Scantling, how about that one catch he made and he covers up with both arms instead of trying to run <laughs> yep. through guys just to make sure he doesn't fumble the football? Because at that point, he, those receivers had to be in that position to do that. That's where they had to be, what they had to do, and make all of that work. So give him credit for that. In a lot of ways, and I would say this if Brett Veach was here, I would look at Brett Veach, their general manager, and go, you trusted that kid so much, <laughs> too much. And guess what he did? He saved your butt because those receivers were not good. All right, you make the big move for Tony when I would have told you you're crazy because you're not getting a kid who's going to be all in for you. I think they realize uh -huh. that now. Okay, Sky Moore is not developed. You know, he's been hurt. And then when you really want to lay it all out, Valdez Antley going to get you one or two catches a game. But for a long time there, it was one catch, one drop. <laughs> yep. And who are you going to throw it to? And by the way, Justin Watson's most sure hands. He was second on the team in drops this year. So this is not a wide receiver core that should scare the heck out of anyone. And somehow this kid made it work when chips were on the line. But the big thing was that defense will never get the credit it deserves. There's just no way. Yeah, it's always the way, right? Like the Patriots defense, it it had the kind of Mr. Irrelevant thing with Brady. And that's what allowed them to get the credit. But we weren't talking about that defense uh, by the time he was a fully formed entity. Uh, last one for me before I let right. you go, Charles. Brock Purdy, sure. where, where are we at on him? Uh, I thought he performed pretty well. I don't know if it was a silencing the yep. doubters type game, but where are we at on him following our uh, first full kind of playoff run from him? Well, minds that re refuse to be convinced will never be convinced, right? We, we know that. I thought that uh, Purdy did more than enough to win the game. And the drive in overtime when they took the ball instead of playing defense first, right? I saw Kyle Shanahan's explanation. He saw by getting the ball third. I think in overtime is too far, too forward thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a lot to count on in overtime. Get the ball three times, get the ball second time. You got to play it for the first one, I think. That's just me. 
But he was like, hey, if we got to get the three possessions, then what we do is kick the field goal and win it. Yeah, but you got to get the three possessions. <laughs> you, you know, let them have the ball first and know what you're matching. Even like in college overtime, you're doing that, right? So that, that that's that's your bottom line on that one. But he took them down. I got them a fourth, on a fourth down. They picked it up, but then they just couldn't get close enough. Had to kick the field goal, and that was the fatal deal. And if you're in, if you're unconvinced about him, mm. you'll point to something like that. But how about him taking them down in overtime? How about him keeping it close when when Kansas City had all the momentum going? It wasn't him who got the extra point blocked and turned into a three-point game, not four. I mean, so many different things can win to it. You're exactly right. Was it a scintillating performance? No. Mm. But he had the performance in the fourth quarter that was good enough to win. I don't think he's the issue. He made some really, really nice throws down the stretch, showed poise. But by the way, you're playing against Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And if it's close, Mahomes is going to get you. Yeah. Bottom line, that's how it works. Yeah. Why, why are so many people honking at four in the morning? They like in the Las takes. Vegas? They're like, good because takes, Charles. I am, I am, I, I, I'm at the airport in Nevada <laughs> getting ready to head home. So it's 4 a.m. here, yeah. and people at the airport. Can you imagine what this airport's going to be like after Super Bowl yesterday? Uh, yeah. Uh, Good luck. I think that's all crazy. we have to say. So, Good luck. So I'm so I'm I'm going into full contact. Uh, <laughs> checking all right. All right. Hopefully they put the flags away. Uh, Charles, uh, it's been a great yeah. season, man. Uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You take care of yourselves. All right. All right. You, t- you too, man. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. Um, my kids started playing Madden and Charles, yeah. one of the voices of Madden. I, I was playing Madden uh, in front of my son the other day. And I'm like, daddy talks to this guy on his show. Yeah. And he's like, throw the ball. Stop talking. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Uh, all right. Couple of things that we haven't gotten to from uh, the Super Bowl. You Anything on your mind? Or you no, I, I, I'm I like, we haven't talked about something. I'm yeah. sure there are things, but it's just been such a wide ranging conversation. It's well, so we haven't talked about night, Travis but... Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid and also oh, knocking right. him down. America's sweetheart. No more. Holy cow. Uh, with, the Chiefs in that moment down, I believe, ten nothing. Yeah, it must have been ten nothing. It was after yeah. after the Pacheco fumble mm-hmm. where they looked like they're going to score. Honestly, I felt the turning point of the football game was going to be the Niners looking as proficient offensively as they did on that first drive, and then fumbling it away mm-hmm. on that first. I was like, oh well, this is you lose. Despite the fact that Vegas considers you the favorite, everybody knows that you're the underdog, and you have this chance to all right at least yeah. get some. You know, some good feelings to start the mm. football game. You fumble it away initially. And then, okay, the, the Chiefs what do the same. What was going on early on in that game? It was just, it's remarkable how sloppy it was. It was a horrible-looking game that turned into a spectacular-looking game. But, yeah, Travis Kelsey, in what was supposed to be his moment, it ends up being his moment, and he has near the 100 yards receiving, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he only had one catch in the first half. I only had the one catch in the first half. and then Should it's... have had two, though. Bad pick by Mahomes. Sure. Um, <laughs> screaming at his head coach because, what, he's not in the game and, in. and not blocking no, on the Pacheco say, fumble? Yeah, you know my thoughts on that? Uh, block better if you want to be in the game. I guess. But, yeah, that was incredible. Like, yeah, it was I mean, great. Like, this is what we want. We want stakes and emotion in sports, and that is proof positive of it right there. That is a guy in Travis Kelsey who, unlike Patrick Mahomes, who is at the very beginning of what everyone thinks is going to be just an ascent to, now I'm back to the straw man, you know, just Mm -hmm. an automatic ascent beyond what Tom Brady has accomplished. But Patrick Mahomes can sit there and understand, I got at least, at least a decade left of this. 
Travis Kelsey's old. He does not have a lot of cracks left at this. And I'm not pouring dirt on him. I'm not saying he's retiring, joining his brother, or maybe not, whatever is happening there. But that was clearly a guy realizing he only has so many shots at it. And it's also been the guy who needs to be, or, well, he needs to be for them, but is also used to being the tip of the spear offensively for this team. And he just wasn't in the first half or this year at all, quite honestly. It's been a running team. Mahomes has had to find other targets when nobody could catch the ball. So that was just, it was clear naked frustration just coming out. That's what you love about sports is seeing guys get fired up like that. Uh, If you're a Niners fan today, are you talking about, oh my God, Trey Greenlaw, like, destroys his Achilles, and I think it's been confirmed that it's an Achilles tear, just like trying to get on the field. That's the one that I would never stop thinking about. And this is a team that just a season ago in the NFC Championship game lost all our quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Like, And this has been the recurring theme of the Kyle Shanahan era. It's like Nick Mullins at quarterback. Like, I don't it's football and and guys get hurt and it's it's hard to point to that as the reason you're li- but we know how, how how it goes as a fan of a sports team if you already have those those preconceived notions that there's this black cloud hanging yep. over your head and why wouldn't you this is your second yep. super bowl appearance against Patrick Mahomes and you've had double digit leads in both of them and you lost them both and the injury cloud that that circled around this team yeah i i'm sure in Santa Clara, when they wake up today in San Francisco, mm-hmm. they're going to be having the conversation about, man, what? how different does that game look with our great yeah. linebacker in it? Greenlaw is definitely up there. I think, trying to think, obviously like the missed, or sorry, the blocked extra point is the thing that's going to linger, I think, the most for them just because it's that's the clear as day deciding factor in the game and maybe things play out differently if the score is different I understand all that but a star player you can you can deal with it if he makes a play and he hurts himself trying to do it or it's a course of football he's just running onto the field that is if you're somebody and uh, I can speak from experience on this this that believes that your favorite team is cursed Mm -hmm. But the the difference is is that I don't want to hear a franchise, and I know it was like 40 years ago now, but guess what? Uh, the 80s is a long time. is a lot closer than the 60s. So I don't want to hear a franchise's curse when they've had Joe Montana. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. It wasn't the 80s. It was uh, 94. 94. Okay. Yeah. 94 was the the Steve Young Super Bowl against the, the Chargers. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We're of a little bit different vintage, and I just passed yeah. the threshold into an, another echelon of yeah. agedness. Being today. old as dirt. Yeah, but I'm spiritually older than you. I think, so the the Blue Jays do hug those World Series close to their chest. Yeah. The 92-93 World Series. Yeah. I don't know. Has enough time passed, though, that you think about this team as being one of the loser franchises? Because that's what we're talking about here. And and obviously the Niners have had more success than the Blue Jays over that span. Yeah. But we're talking about this. And they have a, appeared in, what, three Super Bowls yeah. now since then. Yeah. But, yeah, 94 is a long time. It is. I think I don't think you can be considered a loser franchise if you keep giving yourself shots. I, like if it gets to a billsy point where it's mm-hmm. like four Super Bowls in a row and it's wide right, and then you go wide right again, that's like kind of losery franchise stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think the 49ers are a really good team that just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Like when I think of loser franchises, I think of right now the Panthers, mm-hmm. but 
it, though I'll be honest, the one that jumped right away when I said loser franchise, Browns. It was just right there on the tip <laughs> of my tongue, which isn't fair. Yeah. They're cromulent now, especially mm-hmm. with Joe Flacco and Garrett and all these guys. But that I don't think you can call them a loser franchise. Mm-hmm. Tortured, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially when you throw in, and again, I'm sure people in that fan base feel very differently about this, but you throw in the Kaepernick of it all. Like you had a guy who got you to a Super Bowl, and then he, again, depending on how you feel about this, I'll say how I feel, was blackballed out of the league. Mm-hmm. And then you just, he never sees the light of day again, and you're lost in the wilderness. And I, I, that is a tortured franchise. I don't look at them as a loser franchise. Okay. Very uh, important, very, very important difference. All right. Again, so I, what I'm are the sure- Leafs both? <laughs> yeah, they're loser tortured. Yeah. You, dude, why would you torture a loser? But here we are. I don't know, um, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> or George I'm after today when Morgan Rabbit gets suspended for a hundred years. I think I know your perspective is very different on this. Yes. Um, but when Tom Brady got to his inevitable Super Bowls, like the fifth and sixth time, yep. what you did convince yourself of is at least, you know, Tom Brady only plays in exciting Super Bowls. And five of the six Super mm-hmm. Bowls were one score games. The only one that wasn't was a, the most dreadful Super Bowl <laughs> In recent memory against the Rams and, yep. and Jared Goff and, yeah, Sean McVay getting coached out of his pants. Um, I don't – I think the personalities are different as well, but I'll say for, for my sake, mm-hmm. again, I, and I, I can't explain exactly why this is. Maybe it's just the personality. I yeah, was rooting it. against the New England Patriots over the course of that dynastic mm-hmm. 20-year span. I think most people want to see this continue. Yeah, they want, it's weird. I agree. They they want to see Patrick Mahomes in another Super Bowl. They want to see how many he can win. I feel like the the overarching perspective on this dynasty that is now it's been cemented. There yeah. is no debate. Four Super Bowl appearances, three victories over a six-year span. It's a dynasty. I think they want to see just how great Patrick Mahomes can be. There's some detractors, and clearly, if you're a fan of an AFC West team, like yeah. you're, yeah, tough, or, tougher or an ra- AFC team. <laughs> well, no, if you're a Bills yeah, fan, you're, you're right. not, or a Bengals you're right. fan. No, Jamar right. Chase, Jamar Chase <laughs> yeah. was asked who he wants to win the Super Bowl, and he's someone who actually has beat this team, and yes. he said anybody but the Chiefs. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And as an NFL agnostic, that that I I have a different perspective. Yes than many in our listening audience who are Bills fans or fan of another you're team like in the AFC. you're like Chiefs fan adjacent because of your child. That's, yeah, there's part of that too. He was excited and he got to stay up for the end of the game. I do feel though that like just generally, because yep. we're talking about the same pool of people too totally. that had AFC yeah. fandom. I think generally, because I was also agnostic during the Brady eras, I was rooting against that team. I did not want to see the Patriots rack up yet another. I just felt the personalities were grating. That's got to be part of it. There's Belichick def- was so irritating. Brady wasn't irritating, but I don't know. You just and I, man, the parallels to Brock Purdy were closer than the parallels to Patrick Mahomes, yep. who isn't the first overall mm-hmm. pick. He's a first round pick, though. Yep. Brady, two hundredth pick of the draft. I don't. I felt that team dislikable, and this team I feel differently about. I want to see him in another Super Bowl next year. There's three things that I think are at play to that. The Belichick read cannot possibly be overstated. You have one guy who never is happy unless he is asked about an interior offensive lineman on the 86 New York Giants. That's like the only thing that can make him happy in Bill Belichick. And Andy Reid just loves muck and cheeseburgers and wearing Hawaiian shirts. So like right from that point from the jump, there's just an intensely likable one. I think the other part of it as well, and it's weird that America would feel this way, but 
The Patriots were the golden team, like a Patriots team winning in 2001 after September 11th. Like, we can't overstate that. It was America's team. And then it got jammed down your throat of this America's team, this America's team, this America's team. I don't think people are calling the Chiefs America's team. They're just saying Patrick Mahomes is great. We all get to watch it week in, week out. And then this is something that is a little more, I'm. this is the least of the things I'm most sure about. But how much of it is just that, like, Tom Brady was like a really handsome dude who was in your face all the time and he seemed like the golden boy and everything was just perfect for him and and again to your point he was a six-round pick it shouldn't have appeared and that he evolved way into that right exactly. like we all remember the 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 picture oh of him god at the, at the combine <laughs> the yeah combine. but patrick mahomes it's like he has a funny voice he sounds like kermit <laughs> the frog people don't like his wife like there's just enough against him that people uh-huh. go ah, i don't feel like everyone love like everyone loves him but there's enough things that people can kind of pick at or it's not as it doesn't seem like it is. And and to me, I feel differently about this. Mm. I do feel like the Patrick Mahomes. I don't he even plays want to with call a little more flair, though. Well, there is definitely some element to that is that he's running around. He's moving things. But it's a different flair. Like Mahomes is very calm, cool and collected. Brady go back. And again, like we think of Brady as mm. like as he's a little older now. Brady was intense, intense, intense. Like Mahomes, everything just appears almost kind of easy to him. Brady, every game seemed like a war. And to your point, I think that's maybe part of it as well, is that when Mahomes is doing it, it just seems like a thing that's going to happen. Brady, there were times, and again, I know wild to say about a guy that was on these teams that won a million Super Bowls, but it felt like he was fighting uphill. He was always screaming at his teammates. I think that's part of it as well. Like they're just, they're very different personality wise. You would think Mm -hmm. first round pick who never had a struggle in his life. And you would think that that would be the son of a major league baseball player. Like you would think that all of that would lead that to be the spoiled guy that nobody likes, but it's not the case at all. And I, I don't even, even me as somebody who is like, I'm a Brady guy died in the wool. I want him to go down as the goat. I'm not sitting here. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting. I want Mahomes to ultimately lose, but I need him in the mix because it's just more interesting when well, he is. And maybe time will change this because I, I honestly I can't put myself in in the spot of, of remembering exactly how I felt after the first three Brady right. Super Bowls because maybe I was of the same mindset. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I got to see this yeah. again. But certainly by the end of it, I was like, ah, yeah, it's seen about enough. Well, I do wonder what would happen if, you know, like this isn't going to happen. But if next year, I don't know, it won't be Tyreek Hill going back. But Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. somehow worms a move to the Chiefs and you have Kelsey well, and Jefferson. And they, that was the other part of it is the perfect Patriots. Never had a perfect Chiefs team or anything close to mm-hmm. it. And I know they lost Eli Manning. I don't need you all to remind me. It was perfect until the only game that mattered. Mm-hmm. That's the other part of it is that the Chiefs, what do we talk about them this year? That they weren't very good. Mm-hmm. They had their hiccups. There were not a lot of Patriot seasons that went that way. Well, and you're right to bring out the the possibility of bringing in yet another game changer offensively because you know my, my brain immediately went to the pre-Kevin Durant Warriors as a team. This is great. That everybody like who wasn't excited to see Steph and Clay and Draymond, Even me. yeah, like that was, and they won. You know, like Charles Barkley said you couldn't win playing the way they did as a jump shooting team, and it took the myriad of injuries that that Cavs Hilarious team suffered. <laughs> I mean, Kyrie Irving broke his kneecap before the finals, yeah. uh, but it was just one, right? They they weren't really a dynasty until KD because they win seventy three games the next season, but lose. In game seven to the Cavaliers. But yeah, the, 
So it's hard. If they had become a dynasty before Kevin Durant, I think that would have been a team that everybody would felt similarly yeah. the, to the. They would have felt similar feelings that I think most people feel about this Chiefs team. But yeah, Kevin Durant arrived so early on the scene there that they went immediately from the darlings of the NBA to a team that oh well they stacked against uh, the, yeah. the deck against everybody. They knew who wants to see that. Yeah, and you're you're right. And the last thing I'll kind of say on why I think it feels different is that I I do think it'll be I would love to see. I actually wouldn't because I'd like a you know like an interesting NFL season where it doesn't feel like we're just marching towards a, an inevitable outcome. But would we feel differently if the Chiefs were a true like I'm not calling them a juggernaut over the course of this, but if from kickoff to the end of the Super Bowl, you know, like they're not going to go perfect. Nobody's going to be the 72 Dolphins. But mm-hmm. if they were, if they were able to load up offensively and Mahomes had all these different weapons, how would we feel about it? Like, I do think, but has the, I guess the question I have about that is like, has the die been so cast for him now? Like, can he become a villain? It felt like the only, we had one moment this year, I'm sure you'll remember what it is, where it felt like Patrick Mahomes had a chance to become the villain. Uh, Yelling at the referees? Yelling at Josh Allen about the referees. You're allowed to scream at the refs. Refs make a bad call. That's totally fine. And again, it was the right call. But there was a moment where people went, ooh, I don't, I don't like that. That mm-hmm. was very sore losery. And guess what? He immediately walked it back, said I shouldn't have done that. I apologize to Josh. Mm-hmm. And we'll never, like, no, we won't bring it up again because I just did. But it's not going to be something we think about. That felt like a moment where, ooh, is it turning? And no, that, even that couldn't Well, turn. and just mathematically, when you have more access to open mics over a prolonged period of time, like, yeah. eventually you figure you're going to stub your toe. But he's been so squeaky clean yeah. for so long. Well, and there's so many things around him in his orbit that are not that. That's the thing about the, the squeaky clean thing is something you mentioned as well like I know the die was pretty cast on how people felt about Brady about this but like I don't know that you'll be seeing a MAGA hat in mm-hmm. Holmes locker anytime soon not if he's smart uh all right <laughs> um, I gotta say that I would not have that on my bingo card for Mahomes. yeah he's like oh, I just like the uh, red Chiefs. yeah yeah probably not tough doubt it uh all right when we come back Nick Taylor won again <sighs> our uh, great Canadian man he did it uh, at a notable tournament, he made less though in victory than he did as a runner-up at this event last year because it was an elevated status. He mm. made like twice as much yeah. last year. Anyways, we'll get into the Nick Taylor of it all. Electric Sports Day yesterday. It was uh, important to have two screens going. All right, uh, that's next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Band Morning Show, Sports Time 590, the fan. Band is Frank Gunning. So, Super Bowl Sunday means... Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, also means the waste management Phoenix Open. It's actually my, I was not at a Super Bowl party. I watched the game at my house yesterday, but it is my favorite thing when I have been at Super Bowl parties is, uh, you know, there's always in my life a golf contingent of people around and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I put on the pregame show. I want to hear the national. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. The waste management open mm-hmm. always has a great finish. We're going to watch that. It did last year. Uh, it was, it was great. It was close and great, and there was a Canadian in the mix, but it was also great because it did end before kickoff, and yeah. it wasn't any fault of 
the, anybody in charge of the tournament. They had weather delays. Yep. They were actually wrapping up their third round. There was eight minutes between Nick amazing. Taylor finishing his third round and starting his final round. And when did it end? It was like midway through the first quarter, which was boring <laughs> anyways. But, yeah, it was two screening. And as I yeah. imagine many Canadian golf fans were. I have to, I have to give a quick shout-out here. Uh, I was not two screening. I was playing football with my son in the living room mm. while watching the football game. And my wife was work because I had my hands full with yeah. football, my son, and she was working the clicker. I'm like, I need golf. I need wow. football. I That's need golf. I need football. Impressive. And she like, there were times I have to admit where I got like into football with my son and she go, I'm going back to Taylor. Be like, mm, Good call. That's good. Good call by you. So just MVP always shout out best Borat voice. My wife. Uh, Nick Taylor, an insane finish. Five birdies in his final six holes. A couple of them in a playoff, winning his fourth PGA Tour title in a playoff against Charlie Hoffman as he leapfrogs into the top 30 in the world rankings. He is now 28. Uh, the all-time lead for Canadians in PGA Tour wins is uh, Mike Weir, George Knudsen. Both have eight career. Mm -hmm. uh, walks it off with just another 10-footer. Yep. On the 18th hole is not quite 73 feet, but... 72. <laughs> Sorry. It's a holy number to me. Sorry. I, but I, I feel like... It's like it's, 72 it's been rounded something. Up. Yeah, yeah, I think some people have rounded it up to 73. Okay, well, I just know at... I don't know if it's happened yet or if it did already happen, but mm -hmm. at the Toronto Golf Show, they had a, like, hit Nick Taylor 72-foot putt. Oh, promo. yeah? So, 72 official. And what, they had the, the correct break on the putt? No, I don't, oh. I don't. I gotta be honest. I don't think so. <laughs> Something, t But, hey, shout out to the people at Oakdale wearing that right now that uh, they will forever be hitting that putt for the rest of their life. No question about it. He has now emerged, and, like, I just mentioned the World Golf Rankings, but, yeah, as the... The Canadian golfer most likely to win a major doesn't mean it's yeah. going to happen. Take but a like, seat, Corey Connors. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the Masters odds, which is fast approaching, by the way. Oh, it's so close. We just got a month and a half uh, until we, we see he, as well as I imagine Tiger Woods, tee it up at Augusta National. Mm -hmm. He will be the favorite, and he has now accumulated an incredible resume. Yeah of knee-buckling clutch putts. And honestly, and it's different circumstances, yeah, yeah. but I, him sliding it inside door on 18, it wasn't exactly the most confident putt, no, but no, anyways, no, no. it went down. I was thinking about, and all of them were about the same length. Hey, we all, we, we remember Len Matisse screwing up in the playoff. Boy, do we. Against Mike Weir. Thank you, but Len. I will remember on 18. the eight. On 18, how long was that putt? It was about the same yep. distance, though. Eight, and nine the, feet. Yep. And the number of clutch putts of that range that Mike Weir made, that's what Nick Taylor put forth for me yesterday. Yep, it was it was awesome to see. He, uh, you know, we mentioned the 72-footer. He had to win the Canadian Open last year. He had like a 42-footer uh, late, late on Saturday and what was early in his third round because, again, there were a lot of weather delays here. It's amazing what happens when you break through and you win. You know, not that Taylor hadn't won before. He had gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Phil Mickelson at Pebble. He finished second in this event last year, but... The Sanderson Farms Invitational no, or whatever is a different thing. It's not the same, team. but guess what? That, it doesn't count as one, 
But he won a major last yeah. year. He yep. did. The stakes he had to do it, doing it in a playoff, holding huge putts. And yeah, is there luck involved in sports? And did Fleetwood choke like a dog a little down the stretch? For sure he did. But he still had to clutch up and make the putts. It is so awesome to have a guy you know, for your country. Let's be honest. Like we watch golf and I think everybody, it's a sport that has, you have very different rooting interests. Some people it's gambling. Some people you're watching a guy and you just have a different feel, a different day. But I think a lot of people watch it. And then if there's a Canadian passport there. You're cheering for that guy. And it it's just awesome to have a guy like that, who when the chips are down the most, you don't think eh, he might make it. You think, he will make it. He's just had so many of these now. And, you know, I don't know how much this is on the radar for most people. I imagine not. But it's a big year for Canadian golf. Like, he had the he had the win last year. Mike Weir is going to be the captain of the President's Cup in Montreal this year. Taylor is a billion percent going to be on that team. And if he can have another big moment at home, it's just going to add to his legacy. It's This has been the most remarkable thing about Canadian golf for the past kind of half decade or so is that each one of these guys has had their runs like Hadwin has. And I'm not talking about getting speared when Nick Taylor won. He's had his moments. We're in the same outfit yesterday. We're in the exact same outfit. He's had his moments. Nick Taylor. We just talked about it. Mac Hughes has been in the final pair at a U.S. Open. He's won big tournaments. He's made massive putts to get himself to tour championships. And Corey Connors has actually been the best one throughout the entire time I'm talking about here. So I make the point all the time that, yeah, it's not front of mind for most people, especially not right now. But, man, this is truly a, like, golden era mm-hmm. of Canadian golf. And it, it, watching these guys kind of pass the baton back and forth of who gets to be the lead dog, it's going to be Taylor for a while now until somebody basically wins a major. Mm-hmm. But it's been it's been remarkable to kind of watch this back and forth over the past half decade or so from all these guys. And then I like we don't need to, nobody needs me to tell them, but Brooke Henderson, like she's actually the best Canadian yeah. golfer here, and throwing her into the mix as well is just a remarkable run we've been on. Yeah. Uh, Nick Taylor is a very visible star now, and and that started last yeah. summer at Oakdale, um, and with the most one of the most iconic moments in Canadian golf history. And it's good, yeah, that he hasn't just faded into obscurity really a little bit. Good. It's uh, honestly, it's good that he is the highest ranked Canadian golfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right to say that those guys you can kind of throw them into the same mix as far as their who you would wager on to win a tournament on any yeah. given week. But right now, yeah, the way Nick Taylor has played over the last calendar year, it's, I, boy, if if you were going to bet on a guy to win this country's second major in men's golf, it, yeah. it, I don't know how it's not Nick Taylor, who now has his thing, uh, his thing is, well, hitting walk-off putts yeah. to win golf tournaments, but then flipping the putter. It's a pretty good thing to have, to have your thing Of be... all the things that you could have, yeah, yeah I think it's like, a pretty good one. Well, not even the putter toss, just like, oh, that's my thing. I just walk off golf tourneys with <laughs> 10 to 72-foot-long putts or somewhere in between. Yeah. And uh, also, just like, let me get my golf nerd on a little bit. Charlie Hoffman, first-round leader bet at the Masters, is now back on. It was dead in the water for a yeah. little bit while he's been lost in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. But after that performance at the vet, the other, the only other course in the world he plays well at, yeah. uh, get that. Go run to uh, your, your favorite sports book and go get that in now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that is one of his favorite events, and he is sponsored by yes. Waste Management. Um that tournament's deal is, of course, was it the fifteenth hole, sixteenth hole, the par three. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like the boisterous nature of the tournament, get after and it. getting boozy, and and the viral videos of people falling down, yeah, and it not feeling like any other tournament. No, 
They stopped selling alcohol at points yep. on Saturday. They stopped yep. letting people in yeah. on Saturday. Uh, this year, Billy Horschel, who's known to, to get upset at a few things, uh, Jordan Speed, Zach Johnson, all have like viral videos mm-hmm. of them going back and forth with fans. Brad, is it getting too out of hand in Arizona? Uh, like we do this every couple of years. Yeah, it gets a little too out of hand, and then they try to rile it back in. This is the this is the deal you make. Like if you're going to market a tournament to show up at four in the morning, and it's frat central in Arizona, and get boozed, and it's the one hole where you're encouraged to make noise. Like this is the deal you you kind of make a little bit. Let me. What do you think? Like, where where are you at? Like, is it too much? Is they Have they lost containment on it? It's like, I, this story is going to come up once every other year, and then next year they're going to be they're gonna try to dial things back, and they're going to say, all right, we got to have a little more fun here. It's just going to be the yo-yo that it is every year with this No, nah, to me, I, like, I'm an extremist. Like, that's there is no bar for me when it comes to this event. As long as everybody is healthy and okay. safe. Can I? But, like, yeah, no, this is the, the whole thing about this tournament is that it's not... It's Every not the Masters. Yeah. It's, hey, sorry, like one time a year you have to play where somebody's maybe yelling in your backswing. I just don't care about the guys, like the idea of like the golfers. It's like, yeah, deal with it. I have no sympathy for them. But like, I don't know, like there's videos going around. It's like, I'm sure you can find this at a thousand NFL games as well. But it's like, there's guys just like sitting on stools, peeing themselves. Like it is a <laughs> gong show there. Let me throw this hypothetical to you. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we know like back in the day, I actually don't know this, but I'm going to assume like back in the day, I feel like the WHA and the NHL like made trades and stuff. Mm-hmm. What would live have to give the PGA tour back? Like who would live have to give back to the PGA tour for the waste management open? Cause obviously mm-hmm. like if they had their druthers, that would be their tournament mm-hmm. where you get drunk and it's super boozy and everyone's yelling. Like that's their whole ethos is that's what they want, mm-hmm. but you can't. Just say it is what yeah. it is. It has to slowly build into something. Would they be willing to give John Rom and mm. for for just the waste management open? I think, it's a bad I think trade. they would. I think it's a bad trade. I wouldn't for, do it for, for the PGA Tour. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, this is. I for think the PGA from, Tour. Yeah, you wouldn't, I yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, agreed. I think if you're a casual golf fan, this is like one of the the only non-major that matters. Actually, nah, the players matters because of the seventeenth. Um, and I oh, think people- I shouldn't say matters. I should say grabs your attention because mm. I don't think the players like if it's if it's good and it's interesting, it will grab I think people's people, attention. Yeah, recognize the uniqueness of the the seventeenth hole yeah. with the island green, and there there's an association made to to that hole in particular when it comes to that tournament. Yep. People are aware of that tournament, but like I think secondarily, it's. And maybe it's Pebble Beach, but I think this is like they're neck and neck, the waste management and Pebble Beach. Yeah, the problem is the Pebble Beach, it's like you have to watch Bill Murray play golf the whole time. You can't actually watch anyone good play. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Bill. No, but I think if we're talking about casual, yep. though, that no, they, they actually want to see Bill Murray like, play. Oh, he's so funny. funny just the same bit. And like, God, Bill Murray's hilarious. Just not when he's doing golf. Mm-hmm. Go be funny elsewhere. Just mm-hmm. play golf. I uh, can't wait to see Nick Taylor tee it up at Augusta National in a mm. month and a half. All right. And at Hamilton Golf and Country Club for the RBC Canadian Open. Yes, yeah, in our backyard. That's That'll right. All right. We're going to have a date there. I've decided. Can't wait. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. All right. Super Bowl ended a second and a half ago, but time to look at the 2024 25 Super Bowl futures. I think we're on the same page. Uh, I don't know how you can't be. Your favorite to win next year's Super Bowl 
Is this year's Super Bowl loser? The San Francisco 49ers have the shortest odds at plus 500. Now, the Chiefs not that disrespected, I guess, at plus 750. Ravens, third favorite at plus 850. Bills and Lions, both at plus 1,200. Uh, Carolina Panthers bringing up the rear there at plus 25,000. Just uh, behind the Patriots at plus 20,000. What are we doing here? I guess I have to amend my take that everybody's on my side of the street that you can't doubt the Chiefs until mm-hmm. something happens in the postseason where you know they don't reach an AFC championship game. Vegas is telling you that they're still of the belief that they're not the favorite year in, year out. Yeah, I mean, I can under... I- I can, if I use my rational brain, understand a Vegas going, well, you know, this was a team that wasn't very good and they just managed to win. Where's the room for natural improvement? But I'm with you. Of course, the Chiefs should be favored right now. I think if you're actually looking for value, you kind of want to look in that like Cowboys and Eagles. They got to show me something before I bet them. That's kind of the range you look at there. But yeah, of course, the Chiefs. I got them at nine to one before the playoffs and felt amazing about it so why wouldn't i grab him at plus 750 right now oh jim harbaugh and the chargers at plus 2500 sign me up uh it's not uninteresting yeah raptors at home against victor webanyama and the spurs raptors five and a half point favorites the total 234 and a half brent yeah Let's uh let's take the Raptors to cover. Why not? The Spurs stink. I know Wemby's good, but they have size. Remember, Pirtle. It's the whole point in being here. Uh, so yeah, let's go Raptors to cover uh, five and a half. Raptors beat the Spurs in San Antonio earlier this season, but they were down twenty points in that game. I love the over in this game, mm. two thirty-four and a half. That's been the Raptors' mo since the the trades of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Uh, I think they bounce back with a victory as well. But I I love love over two thirty-four. And a half. And that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, how many games is Morgan Riley going to be out for? We'll talk to Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan.